How's it going, everyone? Welcome back to Labeled, A Brand in the Making. My name is John. I'm Ariel. And we have a really special show for you guys. We're actually going to be talking about ourselves. Yay! Yay! <laughs> I mean, how um, how conceited can we be, right? Oh, we can get there. Yeah, well, okay, listen. <laughs> we can get very conceited. But we wanted to talk about um, our experiences as you know, young entrepreneurs, what we went through to start our businesses. Um, obviously, Ariel, she's going through the process of creating her own collection. So we wanted to kind of give you guys more insight on like our um, our experiences, what we've gone through, um, and also give you more insight into like what it takes to start your business. Um, not that we know everything, because obviously no. we don't. <laughs> we don't. We don't know everything. But, you know... We're in the beginning stages, so if we can give other people insight onto how it works, why not share the wealth, you know? Yeah, and if we, you know, F up, well, you're going to F up with us if you follow us. So. Exactly, and we F'd hey. up a lot. We F'd up, well, at least I did. I did. I mean, you'll make a lot of mistakes in this process, so it's kind of, it kind of comes with it. But at least if we can give you more insight into, like, how, what we did um, and how we got through it, it will it will help you guys in the long run. Or sense. you can F up with confidence. <laughs> that too. <laughs> Cheers. <laughs> Cheers. <laughs> so I guess, I don't know, Ariel, do you want to get started and talk about your experience or do you want me to go? Like, how do you want to do this? I think just start from like the beginning. So the beginning. where, at what point did you realize you wanted to be a designer or into like marketing? So I've, I, for me, so my background is... Um, in undergrad, I actually didn't really study fashion. I studied biology. My family, um, they're Nigerian. Um, for those that are listening that are Nigerian, they probably know they have this, my family had this expectation of like either becoming a doctor or a lawyer or an engineer, something very traditional that for me wasn't really what I wanted. I didn't want to be that traditional minded person where I just would get a job just for money. I was very creative. I did a lot of like, you know, I was in the drama club in high school. I was in French club in, in high school, also French club in college. So I did a lot of like creative stuff, but I didn't know where to, what I wanted to do. So after college, I got into, um, I don't know, I just kind of landed a job in fashion for this company called First Class Fashion. And I was working there for about two years, really enjoyed the process, and that kind of kind of made me want to go into the fashion industry just because of the creativity behind it all, just being in the industry as a whole. And then, um, I don't know, I think in the back of my mind, I always wanted to have my own business and start something that I owned specifically, but I didn't know what it was. And then... Um, I just really love fashion. I really love the product, feeling the product, touching the product, just having that like visceral experience. And then I was like, oh, retail. Why not have like a retail store? At that time, this was like, what, 2014, I think? Yeah, 2013, 2014. I graduated 2014. And at that time, retail was kind of like going down and it was more about like, you know, online, shopping online. And I really wasn't thinking of doing an online retailer I was mostly thinking of having a retail store and that's kind of like what my dream was so in order to do that you kind of have to get these experiences so I started working different retail jobs mostly like merchandising um, styling visual merchandising and then I my role where I met Ariel 
at Neiman Marcus, we were, um, actually I started working before her. That's another funny story. <laughs> if, um, so just, we'll, we'll talk about that story later actually <laughs> because it's a long one. But no, I started working um, at Neiman Marcus and I was the brand representative for a couple of different designers that we had in the store. And it kind of gave me a lot of experience into like merchandising, um, really working with this high-end customer and just kind of getting an understanding of what the shopping patterns are, especially in this time where the consumer behavior is going towards online and then seeing how that's affecting the retail store. So that's kind of like where I started in the beginning. I think at that time also, I was um, work this, my manager, she knew that I wanted to be very entrepreneurial. She was very supportive on that. Um, and she understood that I'm not the, how do you say it? Like, while I like interacting with customers, sometimes interacting with customers in person can be a lot. Especially the luxury ones. <laughs> Especially the luxury one. You kind of have to bend over backwards in order to like appease them, which is, which is fine. Especially if, if they're really, really nice, like. Oh yeah. yeah. You go above and beyond. Go above and beyond. The, the ones where you're like, who raised you? Yeah, those ones, those ones are a little challenging, especially if you, but then you have to also think like, okay, well, they're spending $5,000, so. But still, like, Mm -hmm. I feel like everyone should have to work retail at some point in their life just to understand, because it's, it's ridiculous. Yeah, if you're in fashion and you work and you want to be in fashion, working retail will give you an idea of how, of understanding the customer, the end customer, when all production, all marketing, all everything that goes into creating just one garment is handed to the customer. You'll understand that process a lot I, I more. I think it's very beneficial because I very. know in the design world, you're very one, like, one-sided. like mm-hmm. When you're thinking of designing, you're thinking, okay, this will be cute. But then customers, when they see it in the store, they're just like, okay, but I need this. I need that. Like, this this is itchy. Right. This, like, what is this? Like, right. Why do I need it? Mm-hmm. You'll get a great understanding of that. It's really, it's pretty, like, it's interesting because when I started getting into designing, I was just like, I use a lot of my experiences and my understanding of this type of customer and try to implement it into my designs. So it's kind of like backwards for me, whereas for Ariel, it's kind of like the regular progression, I guess. So if you want to speak on that, like how, like what kind of got you into fashion or what kind of got you... Um, wanting to design and like where you went to school all that stuff well that's true because if I were to start in retail before I knew I wanted to be a fashion designer I don't know if I would have been a fashion designer Mm -hmm. because the mindset customers have towards these clothes Mm -hmm. is it sucks they treat it like garbage (laughs) Mm -hmm. they'll throw it in a pile on the floor and like they'll just destroy it women will try to squeeze into like five sizes too small right (laughs) And break it, and then they'll be like, well, no. Nah. Yeah. Or they'll wear it and return it. Um, mm-hmm. So I think that would have discouraged me. So maybe don't start in retail, <laughs> but if you already know you want to be a designer, I think it's it's good. It's a good idea to get into retail just for like like a month or two. That's really all you need. You don't need to stay there for years. Do it for like a holiday season. Like do it for oh during God. the holidays <laughs> when you're in while you're in school. And like, cause you don't have, you're not tied to it. You're just there doing it for like, I don't know, two, three months, and then, or until you go back to school for yeah. your next for the spring semester. Maybe they do it during summer. The holidays are brutal. But they need to experience that. 
they really need to experience what, it, what it's like to not. What you will you will hate like you'll hate it. You'll hate it, but like I think it will be good to understand what people go through or what what it's like during the holiday season so that way you can implement that into your business i feel like during the holiday season i've implemented so many things that i've learned working retail into my business even now so you you will learn a lot you never know that's true yeah so what so um when did you start getting into like when did you decide you want to be a fashion designer what school did you go to what was you know tell us tell us about you oh okay so I've known, I'm that one person who has known since like mm-hmm. they were super young. I remember in fifth grade, I drew like a little sketch of a person and I mm-hmm. put all this detail into the clothing and I went to my mom and mm-hmm. I was just like, look, you know, as a little kid would, look, look, look. <laughs> and I remember I asked her, what what career would this be? Right. And she's like, fashion design. Mm-hmm. So since then I was like, okay, I'm going to be a fashion designer because I remember I would love going through my mom's closet, mm-hmm. you know, dressing up in her clothes, mm-hmm. uh, going shopping with her. I always loved fashion. I'd always be on like all the websites, right. looking at everything, memorizing. I feel like at a young age, I had like a photographic memory. I, that is like long gone from now. But I remember I would know every like where all these clothes were from. Oh, it was, I loved it. Mm-hmm. It was, and it was like an escape. So if something was, that was going on during that day, didn't mm-hmm. go well, I would just go online, pretend online shopping. You put it in the bag, you don't really buy it. Right. <laughs> but it, it just felt nice. Like you can get away, create a whole new you mm-hmm. with fashion and just, you know, it's, the, the retail therapy thing is yeah. a real thing. Yeah. It was like so. a, it was like an escapism type of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's awesome. And so then, um, my parents were very supportive, luckily, because I know a lot of people when they hear it, their child wants to do fashion design. Yeah. I.E. me. Yeah. Um, their parents are not very encouraging. Mm-hmm. My parents gave me everything that I would need. They gave me a sewing machine, a dress form, sketchbooks, fabric, anything that I would need. All the fabric ended up in a corner in my room, but because I would try to sew something and then F up mm-hmm. and then it would be like, all right, I'm done because I have little to no patience. So that's right. why, I, yeah, I, if you see on my Instagram, there's not much <laughs> because I just don't want to sew. Right. And that's why I'm not making masks right now because I know people are asking. No. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but uh, I remember they would just, they'd be like, okay, like here's, uh, I think the Teen Vogue handbook. I don't mm-hmm. know if you remember that. Oh yeah, where they have like the sewing patterns in it? Or no, it so it was just all the, it was everything about fashion. All the schools you needed to go to and that's where I kind of learned about Parsons and mm-hmm. then uh, through Project Runway too. Yeah. And then I did more research and found it was like the top school in, in, the, US in the US for design. Mm-hmm. So we found out that they had a summer program. So when I was 16, I went to New York for the summer and did their little program. Now, if you want to get into fashion design, it is not easy. Yeah. It's a lot of work. Mm -hmm. I think I was going to quit like a couple times when I was in school. (laughs) Same. Even even, um, as I was designing like my first collection, I was like, oh, I can't do this. It's too much. It's a lot. And Mm -hmm. in school, they make you, they call them croquis. So Mm -hmm. they're these little sketches that you draw of like all these outfits they want you to do like 100 sketches in a night Mm. and it's just you think you can design all these things but at some point you can't but what's funny is that they do this on purpose because you just kind of give up in your sketches at the end and usually those are the sketches that you end up choosing for your final collection yes because you're not overthinking it Mm. at some point you're just like i do not care and that's 
I think, where people's creativity really comes out, which is weird yeah. to think about. Mm-hmm. But I remember I would sketch something and I was like, I, I get it now. And the professor's like, yeah, you see? Yeah. And it's like, well, I don't want you to be right. Right. He wants, he wants, you, to, he wants you to be like very like carefree, very like um, not overthink it, but just do with what, what your creativity mindset is thinking mm-hmm. instead of having to overthink it. I think that I, I agree with that process where it's like you're not don't put too much effort into making it correct. Just go with the uncorrectness. Go with the unperfect. Go with, don't go with perfection. Go with the unperfectness. Mm-hmm. And just draw and create whatever your mind comes to. So, yeah, that's that's pretty cool. So after you graduated, what... Um, also, I, I know at Parsons in the summer program, we learned a lot. Mm-hmm. Like, I learned... I would always sketch, like, little okay. figures. But I remember I learned how to do it quick. Mm. And, um, yeah, so that really helped in the process. So then I, yeah, I went to Parsons. I remember they did, um, they don't do GEDs. It's like art. Mm, okay. Um, in the beginning, I did not like that. Mm-hmm. I thought, what am I going to do with this? Why are they <laughs> making me take this? I just want to do design. I don't want to paint or build. I built a stool out of wood. Why, why do I need to do that? Wait, so, so basically what they do, so it's more of like a, Associate, you go in and get in trying to get your associates? Bachelors. Bachelors. So okay. they have like just general art classes. So okay. you'll do, I guess, wood shop. Really? Um, yeah. So no, you don't design straight away? No. Mm. Yeah. That's pretty interesting. I didn't know, I didn't know that. Cause I know with like Fitum, I don't go to Fitum by the way, but like with Fitum, nothing against Fitum. Oh, I have something against Fitum. <laughs> she, she has something against Fitum. <laughs> Fitum, I don't have anything against y'all. <laughs> don't come for me. But no, I know at Fitum, they start with like general ed, like associate's degree courses, like, you know, like English, math, all that stuff. And then if you want to do the four-year program, oh no, actually they start, you get your associate's degree in like, um, I don't know, you can get in like merchandising, um, what is it, mathematical merchandising, apparel design. That's, you start with like the fashion courses first. And then if you want to get your bachelor's, you do the general ed business courses after that. Mm. So it's like the, it's kind of like reverse. It's like you're, what you're studying, what you want to study, you do those courses. And then what you have to study to get your degree, you do, you do those courses later on. So, I mean, I could be wrong. I could be wrong. I don't know if it's the same or if it's different right now. But, you know, that's at least that's what's happening at FITM. Parsons, I didn't know that it's like... It's art first. Art first. Which, then. I mean, I love sketching as mm-hmm. a kid, but art was not... Like something I love to do. I didn't Ooh. love painting. I don't. Mm-hmm. I remember I, my hands were destroyed. They made us work with metal, like wire, mm-hmm. and I had to build my shoe out of wire. Mm-hmm. Now I must say I still have it to this day, and it looks pretty cool. <laughs> but <laughs> I did not expect to do that my right. first year, and it was just. <laughs> but I got through it. Right. And I understand why they did it. That's mm-hmm. what makes it worse. Mm-hmm. Because you always think you're right. What is, why do you, what, so based on your understanding, why do you think they made you do all that? Go through that process. Because you have a better understanding of art okay. in general. Because you have a bachelor's of fine arts. Yeah. And I feel like I'm the only person with a bachelor's of fine arts who hates art. <laughs> I hate art museums. Really? I hate them. They're so boring. The only part that I love about art museums is the armor section. For some reason, oh. I love metal and clothes. I think that's the coolest thing, and that's the one yeah. thing I learned my first. Year. I can see that about yeah. you because based on your designs, I can tell that's like you're very more into that like structural, like architectural type design or whatever. Yes. So, yes. 
Awesome. That's pretty cool. But yeah, no, art museums. And the, no, art museums. <laughs> yeah, so anything about art, don't go to Ariel. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> but um, yeah, I loved going to Parsons the first two, no, not the first two years, the first year was art. And then the second two years, I had great professors. Mm-hmm. They were... Did they all work in the industry, like yeah. like for big companies and things like that? Yeah, or they had their own business. Oh, cool. Um, but they were very understanding. They would work with you if you had an idea. One professor may say, like, no, I don't think that's possible. Another one's like, we're going to make it possible. Mm-hmm. I was like, this is great. And then I got to senior year. Oh, and so... They're very conceptual. I'm not a conceptual right. thinker. Yeah. Um, first off, I can never explain myself. So if you listen to this podcast and you wonder why... <laughs> I talk the way I do. It's because I cannot explain myself. I, I'm not a very, was it eloquent? Eloquent, yeah. Eloquent speaker. speaker? Yeah, yeah, no. She's not a public speaker. No. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, no. So then when you had to explain your collection, I would just be like. Here it is. Here it is. It should be able to sell itself. I always said, like, you know, I'm not going to be there to explain this collection to the customers. <laughs> so I feel like, why should I explain it to you? Yeah, right. No, I agree. <laughs> so I'm agree. still in that mindset, which mm. I know is terrible. And mm-hmm. people would love to hear story, your creative the story process. And inspiration. And how you got like, to that. Yeah. No, with, even all about storytelling now. Like, I know. I've storytelling. And I remember Angela. I, I'm not going to say the story right now because I kind of understand it now. But, like, I know it's like there was, you got inspiration from somewhere to create the prints and all that stuff so you can speak on that you could but usually people have like it's this huge story Mm. i was just looking through you know pinterest Um, basic mm -hmm. and i found this photo of a actually no i was started with a woven basket right 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 and then i saw this plant in the background of one of the photos and Mm -hmm. i loved it and i said all right there so then leaves yeah (laughs) that's my inspiration done Can I say that? You can't. The, the thing is, and that's, and I feel like a lot of designers actually have that mindset too. It's just like they have like a PR team or like a marketing team to kind of make it that. more elaborate than what it really is. Like even with like, um, there are a couple of designers that their idea is so basic and I'm like, I, it's basically this. But then when you read the show notes or the story behind it, I'm like... I'm like, where? How? How? Like, I don't, I don't. But do you change that for your website or you just use directly what they give you? Um, I use direct, sometimes I use what they give me and sometimes I use, sometimes I add a little bit of, add a little bit more for my website. So if I have a designer that I'm featuring on my website, I just try to use generally what their aesthetic is. So like one of the brands that I carry right now, um, Alexandra, he his style is more um, feminine masculine aesthetic so it's like an androgynous look but it has like really clean um, minimalism um, clean lines and like very just sleek so i try to i put that in there although with his collection his show notes were um kind of a mixing um he came up with this like story of I don't know, man versus woman, you know, woman equality, all this stuff. And I was like, yeah, I get it. But it's like, it's it's still an androgynous look. It's not like, you don't have to go too extra. Just say what it is. It doesn't have to be that big. But it's a beautiful collection. I love the designer. I think they do a great job of what at designing just really nice contemporary clothes. But I feel like some designers, they kind of over-exaggerate yeah. on their... Um, inspiration and the storytelling which 
I, listen, a lot of customers eat it up. I'm not going to lie. Like, I even eat it up sometimes whenever. Eat it up meaning as in, like, I buy it. Like You buy into it. I buy into it. Like, a lot of people buy into it. A lot of them actually believe this is what it is. And maybe it is what it is for, for specific designers. But sometimes I'm like, y'all could have just said this, and it would have been a lot easier for me to understand. understand. Yeah. So... But I get what you're talking about. So right. hopefully people, that that's my story. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm straight to the point. Yeah, straight to Just the point. Just like how I was at, when I was a child, when they wanted you to write these five-page essays, I was like, I can finish this in a sentence. Yeah. And you'd get the same point. Like, why <laughs> read all this other crap? Exactly. <laughs> and I think that's kind of maybe would be your, like, your selling point. Like, it's not too over-exaggerated, where it's just straight to the point making clothes for women that to make them feel good whatever the whatever the story whatever mantra whatever storyline that you want to position to the customer i think that if it's short and simple i think that would like sell a lot more yeah because i remember i was reading these books um they're called fashionary they're the they had like was it business manual Mm -hmm. so they said okay pick these words that would describe you so i was like okay simple elegance right done yeah done just those words simple elegance I actually like that. Thank you. I really actually, I really actually like that. Right? Done. Can I use that? No. <laughs> you can trademark it. I don't you need to trademark it. Oh, you don't? You can't trademark words? We're going to talk about trademarking a little bit later because I'm always confused on this and she's better. She's more knowledgeable. Are you kidding me? I, would you trademark some things already? Well, yeah. Well, and I also spoke to a lawyer because I was like, I'm not going into this. See, we're going to talk about trademarking in another episode because we have to go, go Oh, we that. could probably do it in here. We could probably do that here, but I'm just saying you know, <laughs> we'll go more into deeper Oh, yeah. Um, we'll go discussion. into everything so you guys can learn from us. Yeah. Hopefully. So I want to go back into like school. So was it hard getting into Parsons? Was it hard staying in Parsons? Or like, how was the I thought it, okay, Parsons made it seem like it was going to be super difficult to get in. Mm -hmm. And I thought, okay, well, crap, I'm not going to get in because um, maybe I'm modest, but I didn't think my art was that great. Mm -hmm. Like I wanted to go in for design. Mm -hmm. I didn't want to go in for art. Yet you had to give an art portfolio, not a design portfolio. Mm -hmm. So... Well, we're going to hope for the best. It <laughs> might have helped that I did their summer program and did well in that. Yeah. And that probably helped me. Okay. But so I, I thought that. I'm like, oh, I'm not going to get in. But I got in. I remember the day my mom told me. And I was like getting ready for a pool party in February because we live in California. And it's always <laughs> warm. And she came in. She's like, ah! <laughs> it's the best day ever. Right. Um, but where was I going with this? Like getting in, like <laughs> <laughs> I remember the first year there, and I saw other art students and their work. They were showing me what they did, and I thought, "Oh, mm-hmm. I guess it wasn't that hard." Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I was Ooh. like, "Ooh, that's what they got in with this." Listen, she is shady, 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 shady. <laughs> I know. I throughout college too. I remember in design, like people show their designs to class, and I was like, mm. <laughs> <laughs> "I know it's terrible." Think I was cocky. I mean, it, hey. It kind of went down now, but like. No. No, but I mean, you still have confidence. Yeah. Like yeah. in your work. Mm-hmm. But it's not like, oh, when I get out of college. Right, I'm, I'm going to be, gonna the be next, this. The Carl Lagerfeld. That like, part. Listen, we all want to be Carl Lagerfeld. Like, bow down. Okay. Listen. <laughs> that changed. Oh. Um. <laughs> and then you get to your first job, and then your boss is like, no, mm-hmm. I'm crush you, mm-hmm. destroy mm-hmm. your confidence. Mm-hmm. So was it hard, like, so it wasn't hard for you to, like, stay in or, like, to stay motivated to do the work at? No. When okay. I got to the design part, it was it was fun. Okay. I loved it. I never wanted to leave or 
Like, sometimes I'd hate it, hate my professors more right. in senior year. Mm-hmm. And started to hate Parsons. I was like, well, you guys suck. Yeah. Like, what the hell is this? I went to my senior year. I wanted to do evening dresses, mm-hmm. and that was what I signed up to do. Then they changed it last minute. I was oh, like, wow. Those, they changed the program? Or, like, they changed the... the... The class was no longer evening. It wasn't specialized in that. It was just general. Dang. And so I was disappointed. Yeah. So, yeah, Parsons really helps out the students that, like, are making a difference. So Angela, she got a lot of help from Parsons, which is mm-hmm. great for her. Mm-hmm. Angela and Luna are um, guests from the last episode. Last week. But then me, it's like... You know, like okay. the other people, it's like. Mm. So like it was more they more like paid attention to, to students that had more of like a, a store that were making a difference. I thought I thought that was what they were doing, okay. but then I remember at the end of the year they do a fashion show mm-hmm. of like the top ten students, and to get in that you have to do a presentation to this panel mm-hmm. of designers mm-hmm. and other people who are working in the industry. Who. <laughs> okay, I cannot speak. And I was just put in front with like these two models like Dang. So here's my stuff. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I tried to come up with this BS mm-hmm. story because mm-hmm. that's what they wanted. That's what they eat up and yeah. even then they were just like I don't I don't get it. It's like, yeah, cuz this is all like mm. this is all bullshit. Dang. But, you know, I hated it. <laughs> I you, never, hated the, you hated the process of going through that. Yes. And yeah. I know that's going to be in the future and I'm going to have to talk to people about my clothing. But but I think now, I think, because I mean, you were like, what, 21, 22 at the time? Yeah, 21. Yeah, 21. So I feel like now you have a lot. I feel like since then you've built your confidence and really built your, um, your aesthetic. Like, you know what you want to design. You know what you're going after. You know the, the section that you're in in terms of fashion. So I think I feel like you'll be fine as you as your business grows. That's what I'm hoping out of this podcast. Yeah. Too, <laughs> is to just get better at speaking. Yeah. Even though I'm not speaking in front of an audience, this is still terrifying. <laughs> it is, especially especially when like especially when you have so many views. Even when we first started this podcast, I was like, oh my God, people are gonna be seeing me. They're gonna be hearing my voice because I hate my voice um, on on the podcast. But you know, it it I think every week, every time I listen to it, I'm just like, oh, I get better. Because I feel like I have an accent, but I really don't. No, I, I don't hear it. Yeah. I just think that's Some people say I do have an talk. accent, though. I mean, it is the way I talk. But either way. But I think, um, I think as you continue on, your confidence has, as you continued in the industry, your confidence has grown. Especially since the last four or three years since I've known you. So That's good. Because yeah. I know when I, after, right out of college... I worked at BCBG, mm-hmm. and she was a, an associate assistant designer. Associate? Assistant designer for evening dresses, and then I got promoted less than a year. Mm-hmm. Look at her. Um, to associate designer, and then you know everything went bankrupt, and then I was on the chopping block to get laid off in yeah. like the future, with potential of being like brought back in if they did well. Mm-hmm. But never um, did well. Well, I don't know. I quit on the spot. Oh. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was a very. It was not a fun place to work. I feel, like, they, I feel like they're not even, I don't think they're doing well now. I think they're still fine. I know they were hiring because I remember way, like a couple months ago, I was looking for a job and then mm-hmm. I saw it and I said, oh no, <laughs> I'm traumatized. <laughs> yeah. But like after that and then. Do you want to speak on your experience working for that? Because I know, I mean, I, I don't know if you want to. I don't know if I'm allowed to. You don't think you're allowed to? I don't know. Can you? 
talk about it. Um, it was it was a great learning experience. Mm-hmm. I learned how to work with everyone at like BCBG. So I worked with the sewers, the pattern makers, production team, the fabric team, the design team, mm-hmm. everywhere. I did a lot, mm-hmm. which is surprising because I feel I know for an assistant you do a lot, but yeah. I did a lot of the stuff that made a difference. Right. In, like, <laughs> yeah, you design a look, but it's all the other stuff that really makes it possible. Mm-hmm. So I would be with the sewers being like, okay, you need to go, you need to go. And mm-hmm. like, okay, I would put it with somebody else. I would know who was good at what and mm-hmm. would manage that area. Mm-hmm. I would go into the where they cut the samples and I would place everything that was a print to make sure it matched. Oh. I would pull out fabrics. I would run to the production team and be like, okay, here are all the samples. This is mm-hmm. what's wrong with this one. I would tag them all. Mm-hmm. And then I would also work on like the bill of materials. So okay. I put like, okay, this has this many buttons, this many zippers, this fabric, right. all of that. That's awesome. I did a lot. Yeah. So. What was it like seeing your, like your designs in no. a store? Or did you so, ever see them in a store? No. Okay. Uh-huh. <laughs> so they would you would be able to drape and do like some of the design they'd have you sketch, but it was very rare if they ever used your stuff. And what was great about, I don't know if he's still working there, but the creative director after Lubov Mm -hmm. left, Mm -hmm. he was really into associates helping in the design. And he would look at our sketches and be like, yeah, I love this. Show this to your boss. And my boss was like, no. Dang. Yeah. So whatever i mean that's it is what it is and mm-hmm. it's it's not the end of the world it was kind of nice i remember i draped one thing and she's like oh yeah we're gonna use it yay mm-hmm. she's like we're just gonna change this 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 so basically the entire design was done i was like all right and she goes that's just the way it is I'm like, i just don't think you like me <laughs> i was like all right whatever but i learned a lot and it it was a great experience i also learned what not to do in a business yeah and i feel like that's what i also learned it yeah that's job. that's good i think i think um, even for me, like working in retail, like you have, you have those people where you're just kind of like, or those like experiences in retail where you're just kind of like this, I don't think I'm going to grow in this. Like, it's not, I feel like I'm wasting, you know, you feel like you're wasting your time yeah. or like you're met with rude people or just people that are like just trying to discourage you or just don't like you. And it's always like, I feel like in fashion, sometimes it's about like favoritism, depending on the company oh, you work for. Yeah. So it's like, you know, with certain companies and if you work under like, say if you work for like a big company like maybe Chanel and you, but you don't work directly with the new creative director, but you work with the boss under the creative director, that boss may not like you or may show favoritism to someone else. And then it's like, it kind of hurts your career because it's always about them. It's always about, you have to be liked. And like me and Ariel, we're not always liked. So we're just, we're very like, we're like, we're, we don't go with the grain. We kind of go in our own little But I do what's best for the company. I always have that in my mind. And then I, so what I don't get along with is people who could give a crap. Right. Like they don't care to work. They don't want to do anything. They just kind of want to slide through life. And I'm, I have a huge issue with them Mm -hmm. and I, (laughs) I am not quiet (laughs) about that. (laughs) You will know. Yeah. yeah. I, I don't put up with that. Yeah, exactly. And I don't understand companies who do. Right. I, like, if I had a company, they would be gone. Mm-hmm. I will not put up with that crap. Yeah. No, I agree. Because no. I, I feel like you're here for a reason. If you, I get it. Sometimes fashion, you can be jaded. 
there's a lot of times some people work for their companies for like years upon years and then they're not they're not in a position or making enough money or whatever the case may be and they're just like kind of jaded and they just decide oh i'm just gonna do the bare minimum of what is required and that's not okay but then at that point when you're having that mindset you should leave find something else Mm -hmm. because it's just it's not beneficial to you it's not beneficial to the company and nothing's gonna change right but some people stay because i mean the benefits are good the pay is decent i can get by and i don't really have to work that much someone else is just working for you're settling yeah don't settle yeah you're not gonna go anywhere yeah. And I, I can say that because I, I know what's happened to me. Yeah. <laughs> I was at my last job for three years and I'm only meant to be there for like three months. Yeah. It was just supposed to be like. An interim type thing. Yeah. And it. Ooh. It lasted three years. It, it was. And I was like, I'd always say, OK, but you're going to work on your collection. You're mm-hmm. going to start your own business. You're mm-hmm. going to do it. I didn't do it. Mm-hmm. Then coronavirus hit and I was like, all right, now you're going to do it. <laughs> <laughs> Which is good because then it finally. And I know a lot of a lot. Mm-hmm. Ugh. A lot of other people have done the same thing. Right. Because I know when I went to the manufacturing company, they're like, oh, yes, so many other collections are being made. What? (laughs) (laughs) I'm not the only one. (laughs) Right. So now it's being oversaturated. (laughs) So so coronavirus was like the tipping point for you. Like, that's where you're just kind of like, okay. Oh, well, obviously other things happen. It wasn't like the tipping point, but it was... Like, okay, now you have nothing to do. You have no excuse. You can't be like, well, I'm tired from work or, you know, I have all this going on. It's like, no, you're home all day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. But what really got me starting to go back into it, I remember one day I was at home and it was just like, oh, like I'm not doing anything with my life. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I was doing my job and everything, right. but like... It's like, I'm not doing what I want to do. Mm. And I know my parents were never disappointed in me, but Mm -hmm. I I was like, no, they're mad. Mm -hmm. Just spent all this money on me for school. I'm Mm -hmm. like, I got to get going. And so I was thinking late at night, I think it was like two in the morning. Well, I better, you know, take my website before somebody else does. Right. I don't know why I randomly thought that. So I went (laughs) on Google and I found that ArielCannibal.com was still available. I was like, well, I better get this now before other people take it since online is like booming and you can't even, I I mean, I think whenever I have a child, they're not even going to be able to find an Instagram username. Oh, really? They're all going to be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. So I was like, okay, I need to get this done. And right (laughs) when I got that done, I thought, oh. Mm Mm-hmm. It's the first start. It's the first step. It's like, exciting. It's so exciting. And so I was like, I can get an email with yeah. my name. So I was like, okay. So I started doing that. Then I was like, I could start a website. Uh-huh. And it's easy. Yeah. And I was like, all right. So I start working on that. Uh-huh. And then I was like, oh, I need a business card. <laughs> and I was like, oh, I can get a phone number associated with this. Okay. So the moral of the story, just start yes. small. And then it will get you to even go and um, get more into it. So yeah, just start small. And, and then you'll keep going. For sure. And if anyone's like stop trying to stop you, mm-hmm. we'll cut them out. Yeah. And that's what I did. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Who was trying to stop you? Who was trying mm-hmm. to... Oh. <laughs> <laughs> he just like, bye. Oh, okay. I, okay. Um, but yeah, no, that's, that's really cool. I think for me, what kind of like the tipping point was, like I said, I wanted to be my own... I wanted to have my own business. I was seeing... Not that I compared myself to other people. It was just more so like I was seeing like people starting having their business. Starting, I remember I was talking to like a really good friend of mine and, you know, this person has uh, a nonprofit, two businesses and things like that. So we were, we were talking and, you know, he was trying to help me with 
the process of it. And I was kind of like, well, I don't feel like I'm ready. I wanted to go back to school, get my MBA or get like a business degree or get my fashion degree and like then start afterwards. And then I realized after working, after working at Neiman's, I realized like, I don't, I might as well just start now because I think the tipping point at the time I got into it with one of the, one of the managers and it kind of, it kind of dawned on me that like I'm not protected in this corporate company and I need to start making something for myself now before um, before something bad happens or meaning like getting fired or whatever. And I'm like, you know, on my face at, the, at that moment. So while I was in school, I was or while I was in Neiman's, I was just thinking thinking of ways to create this design, create designs. Um, I wanted to learn how to drape, so I went to a draping class, I went to a pattern making class. And then you can, my friend sent me this like, um, what is it? What is it called? What is that thing called where you get like discounts? Groupon, a Groupon, a Groupon um, I guess, service or item or whatever. He sent it to me. Um, it's like a pattern making class in downtown for like 20 bucks. And so I went to that class on on a Tuesday, um, Tuesday evening, and it was really, really fun. Then I went to a draping class that they had the next, um, the following week, and then I just went to another sewing class that they had. So I was learning, I was teaching myself to sew, to sew and to pattern make and to drape. I really liked the draping aspect and the draping sewing. Was fun. Pattern making, I was like, listen, this is too much math. <laughs> I like pattern making because I love math. Yeah, I, I don't like But math. you can control it. Even though every time I'd make a pattern mm -hmm. and I would sew it, it would be, it wouldn't work. Yeah. But it was fun yeah. to F up. I think, now, I think now pattern making is a lot easier for me now because I have like, I have these like pattern making books that I just follow. Oh, yeah. And it's, it made, it made it so much simpler. And you have, you can get these you can get the slopers and kind of like mimic different designs. So it's a lot easier to do it now. But like back then, like two, three years ago, I think it was three years ago or four years ago. Was it not going to be that long? Because I remember when you started doing it, you were saying, oh, could you come and be my pattern maker and sewer? And I was like, I, yeah, I, oh, hell no. Listen. <laughs> I was like, I need to work on my own. But then I never did. So listen, I was, I, I was trying to, I was at Neiman's. I think I had left maybe six months prior to like having my first ever samples, like muslin samples. Mm -hmm. And so, and at that time I started um, getting my master's in fashion merchandising. I didn't get into like the MBA school that I wanted, but I got into a fashion merchandising um, program. And I really, at um, the school that I go to is Academy of Art University in San Francisco and I take all my courses online. Just wanted to add that. <laughs> <laughs> but no, um, I wanted to go to MBA school just because I felt like I would get a lot of business-minded experience. Oh yeah. Um, but then when I didn't get into the school that I wanted and I got into the fashion school that I wanted, I was like, well, I, do I even need a fashion degree? Like, I feel like now, nowadays, like you can, people are studying fashion brands without a degree or studying fashion brands without a fashion degree or even studying just because they want to. So it's like, do I need it? Will I, will I get the enough experience that I need or the amount of experience that I require in order to like be confident in what I'm doing? So I was talking to my friend about this and he said, listen, we're very, we're very like spiritual and, and like, you know, we believe in God and all this stuff. So he said like, you know, obviously God gave you, didn't accept you into this program for a reason. He wants you to go into fashion full fledged. And I truly believe that things don't happen coincidentally. Things happen, you know, based on faith and all that stuff. So I was like, okay. 
let me go in, let me try this out. If I try it out for a semester and I really don't think it's beneficial to me, then I'm not, then I'll just kind of drop out. Yeah. You know, and my, you know, family was paying for the first semester anyway, so I was like, why not? <laughs> so then, um, so I started, I started the program and I felt like I, I was learning so much. And honestly, I do not regret, like, I love the program. The, I'm still in it. I'm in my final uh, final year. I'm in the fall and the next year I graduate. So I love, honestly, like one of the best programs I'm in. I'm in the fashion merchandising program and business management. And they teach you just the mathematics behind everything. They teach you how to run a, a business, how to start a retail business or a service business. And it's like, it's all online. So they have like that digital aspect to it. So they teach you how to run it in the digital age. So I was just That's like, great. it was just so amazing. I didn't know, they, I wanted to do like the fashion design program, but I didn't have, they were for a master's degree. They have, they want you to have like samples already done and all that stuff. And I was barely learning to sew at that time. You don't need a master's in that. I think what you're learning is way more beneficial yeah. to you and me because then I learned <laughs> um. <laughs> but yeah it was it was a really I loved I love um, Academy of Arts school like it was just a, it, the program was great so after having that like I guess epiphany where I was just like nah like I need to like start my own thing I started I started learning how to sew I started trying to drape started trying to do pattern making because I was like I can't I even bought like so many books, like so many like fashion design books, so many like, like even just like those coffee table books just to kind of get inspiration, oh, yeah. just so I know, um, just so I can like have that creative juice flowing. Cause at that time I was so insecure. Like I feel like I didn't have a lot of like conceptualized ideas on like how to create something. Whereas, and whereas I feel like I would learn it if I went to like a design school. But at that time I was in a, a merchandising, I guess, program. So I felt so insecure. And like when I was talking to, I remember I was talking to Ariel about this and she was like, oh, you don't need a fashion design master's degree. I mean, what you're in right now is good. And honestly, like you can even just hire designers and like have them do the work for you. And I was like, you can do that? Do people, do designers do that? Is that what they do? Is that the secret? Yeah. And she was like, yeah, I've worked in a, uh, you worked at um, BCBG. BCBG. So it's was like, yeah, you know, she knew. So I started looking for, pattern makers i went on uh, i went don't do this i went on ebay <laughs> <laughs> ebay or craigslist oh sorry craigslist <laughs> sorry i don't know why they, they're both the same to me they're both the same they're to really me. not I, I know but they're both the same to me. <laughs> but i went to craigslist and i started looking for a pattern maker so i went to craigslist i went to indeed um type you know found a job description from one of these designers in LA, just kind of copied and pasted, just changed my name, <laughs> changed their name to my name, um, my brand name. And then I just put it out there. I got a couple of hits. There's this one, um, I met with a couple. So the first go around, there were so many hits. So many people were like applying, they sent me their resumes, they sent me their lookbooks. And I was like, oh, I like you, I like you, I wanna use them. Every time I tried to get an interview with them, crickets, crickets. That's interesting. Mm -hmm. And I offered to like pay. I said, oh, I can pay you however much you charge for this. And like, it was crickets. Or like, oh, we would set up an interview. And then on my way to the interview with them, they would not, they would be like, oh, I can't make it. Yeah. And I was so discouraged at that time because I felt like, oh, maybe it was me or maybe it was just the, the job description. Or maybe it's because it's a small company that, or a small 
brand that I was trying to start that they felt like, oh, I'm not going to do much with it's it. So unprofe- you should save those names so when you become big and they're like, oh, hey, you'd be oh, like, God. oh, hell no. Oh, God, I still have emails. You should just like leave them somewhere. Be like, oh, yeah, we'll go to an interview. Can you meet me like all the way over right. here? It's funny you say that because I'll get into that a little bit later because that just recently happened to me. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so, yeah, I was kind of like discouraged at that time and then I was talking to my friend about this and then randomly I get a hit from this from this um woman and she says oh uh you know i'm looking to do side uh like a side projects here and there and stuff like that i saw your thing on indeed a couple weeks ago i thought maybe i'll reach out i was like yeah cool let's you you want to meet up where do you want to you know can we like have a discussion so she lived um i live in the the suburban part of los angeles and she lived in like closer to downtown oh okay so like miracle mile i think i think it's like i don't know it's like near um the grove near the grove so she's like, I don't know. <laughs> so I drove, I drove to her to kind of like meet her. And I was like, okay, what if she's like a serial killer and she tries to kill me? Or what if she thinks I'm a serial killer and tries to... That's how you meet in public space. But she's, um, her, her apartment was like close to like a, close to like a bond or whatever. So she told me to park at the bond and she'll come find me and she'll come to me. Yeah. But at least it was a girl. Yeah. So you feel a little bit safe. But I mean, if I was the girl, I would feel a little weird. Yeah. I don't know what she was thinking, but like, so she found me at the, she found me at the, like, uh, not that I would, I wouldn't do anything. I'm like, no, a no, nice no, guy. but you know, but now in today's age, yeah. like as a girl to meet a strange guy, no matter who it is, because right. she doesn't have a photo of you. Right. Or, and we met at night because she worked for, okay, she like, worked it for just this, getting worse. she worked for this company. <laughs> she worked for Galia Lavav, the Couture House. Do you know who Galia Galia is about? No. Okay. So they were they're like a wedding dress company. They have an they have a boutique here in Los Angeles, and they have other stores in across the world. So she we we met up at the Vaughn, the parking lot of Vaughn. She had a dog, and we were just talking. I was showing her my designs, and she was like a really nice person, like super super nice, really um you know really knowledgeable about the you know the design process. Um, there was a language barrier because she's from I think she was Japanese, and you know obviously I'm. Nigerian or American, whatever. So, but like, we, she understood what I was talking about. She was very quick. She was really young. She's, I think she went to um, LA Trade Tech for design. And I know LA Trade Tech's not like the top company, but like based on her, or the top school, but based on her designs, it, I was like, I want to work with you. Let's, yeah. let's do it. So I was just like, yeah, let's do it. And then she's like, I told her to work on this dress first. Like I had a, dress, a sketch of a dress that I needed to, that I needed her to work on. Just create the patterns, drape it do the um, muslin sample and then we're, you know, we'll talk about other things. She did it within a week and um, she told me how much it would cost. The cost was pretty good. It was like, I think, I think like 150 bucks that I paid her to do it, which is pretty standard depending on who you go to. But, and it came out really beautiful. I was like, wow, this looks good. Like she had the, the, the muslin looked like actual fabric. Like that's how good she was. And I just kept using it for all my designs. And then actually even like my first collection, she, um, she, uh, what is it? She did all the custom or like the sample making for that. So once I was done with her, I was able to go to, um, not a big production company, but a small production. So it's just this woman who does pattern making on that, this other woman that does pattern making, but she has like a team of sewers. So they did a full production size for me mm. um, of all my fabric in different sizes and different colors. So you can always go that route, but it can be, it, it can be, exp- 
I wouldn't say it's more expensive than going production wise, like working for a big production company, but it can be like a little, um, I mean, everything's going to be more expensive than you just doing it yourself. But if yeah. you're like me, you know, spend the money because otherwise you're just going to sit on this design and never have it made. Exactly. And, so. and I, at that time I didn't realize, I don't know. I was very like naive to the idea of like this, the first, my first pattern maker, her name was Aika. Um, I go doing that entire production because, like, I knew she was just one woman, but I I had assumed since she works for a big couture house in the in their LA boutique, and she has a bunch of different designers that she knows and you know creators. I thought, oh, she can do the entire production, like she can, and I only need I only need like maybe like one size each. So like let's so like if it was like a size four to a size twelve, that's like six pieces, I think. I just need all that for each for each style. And I was like, that's easy. She was like, no. <laughs> she was like, no, I would die. <laughs> and so I was like, okay, so where do you think I should go? She's like, well, I know of a, a production company that you can go to or like a sewing sample studio that you can go to that will do it quickly. And so I was like, okay. Then my cousin actually told me of this woman named um, Edith in downtown LA that does like kids designs she creates pillows but she also like does custom product for different celebrities like she did for kim kardashian she did for um i think she did for beyonce she did for like jennifer lopez too so she's worked custom product for different um celebrities so i was like okay i'll i'll go meet up meet up with her and things like that just to kind of like get an idea how much it would all cost um so i went to her link big language barrier she only speaks she only spoke spanish and i was like i don't speak spanish i don't know i didn't, I didn't bring anyone with me because i didn't i didn't think that there would be because she can text really good like through text message she's like she understands but like when i went there and i saw the language barrier i was like oh my god how am i gonna explain this to her how am i gonna explain what i need what i want all that stuff google translate it's right there listen hello <laughs> but the, thing, the good thing about it her partner or like her business partner he spoke a little bit of english oh, so okay. it was pretty it was good and her her son was there too so i was able to kind of explain everything to him and he was kind of able to break it down for her and um i gave her my samples i gave her my patterns i gave her everything that day after about maybe like two or three weeks she gave me um she said she needed the fabric so i had to go and order the fabric. Around that time, that was when I was going to Paris. So I went to Paris for, um, sorry, I know I'm talking like way too long, but like I went to Paris. <laughs> yeah, but it's interesting. Yeah. But I went to Paris. Um, I had left Neiman's at this time and I was like, okay, at that time I had already, I found this woman who's able to do my whole production um, at a good price. And I was like, okay, well, something happened at Neiman's and I was like, I can't be here anymore. So I left after three years working there. And then- Three years. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I know. Like so same life. time. Yeah, yeah, okay. But we left different times. Obviously. <laughs> so like, this was like 2017. 2017. That's like seven. Sorry, <laughs> I was thinking, I was like, no, this is 2017. <laughs> and I think this was like May, 2017 when I left. And then I, after that, I was like, okay, I'm going to Paris because they're having this trade show in Paris, usually they have this trade show twice a year. It's called the um, La, Prévision, Pré, La Première Vision, I think. Yeah, oh, I think so. That La sounds correct. Premier Vision. I was trying to be extra with it. But no, so it's called <laughs> Premier Vision. Basically, it's like a trade show where a bunch of like textile suppliers showcase what they're going to show, what they're selling to designers or brands for the new season. So in 
February or in September when I went, they were showing their, um, I think it was like their fall winter selection of textiles and like silks and like tweeds, um, all these other like textiles that you can buy. And you can, and you don't have to go to like, you don't have to, I wasn't thinking of going to like Joann's or like downtown LA's like fabric district because I was like, I'm not doing that. Because this is what you do after you leave a job. <laughs> you fly to Paris and then you go to a fabric show. Listen. For your first collection. Listen, I was, th- at this time, I was thinking like, <laughs> I was thinking like, what do I, what do I have to lose? There's nothing. I was talking to my friend. I was talking to you. Like, yeah. I was just like, what do I have to lose? Like, there's well, nothing. nothing. You know what I mean? We get to go to Paris. Yeah. Like I had, I had, the, I had the money. I got, you know, I was able to, and I also got to see family there too. Cause I had family there. So that was like another reason why I decided to go. So I, I around May when I left, I was just like, okay let me um let me let me book this ticket i booked this ticket i told my i told um edith the the woman who owns the studio of different sewers that i'm gonna go buy this fabric and then we can work on it you know when i come back went to uh got went to paris got into my airbnb don't get a hotel because it's super expensive but airbnb scare me in a different country but this airbnb was really nice i know but still but they had the key like, there is nothing to prevent them from stealing your shit. So the guy wasn't actually in Paris at that time. But you don't know if they have a friend. See, it still it freaks me out. That's true. I mean, especially when you have a passport on you, there's mm-hmm. no safe. And if there was a safe, they have the combination to the safe. I feel like at a hotel, it's more secure. Right. But I get what you're saying. Yeah. I mean, I didn't, I didn't have any, I didn't have any issues with him. He wasn't even in, he know. wasn't in town and he wasn't but like, you know. <laughs> his friend was in his friend was lived in Paris but like she didn't I didn't even I only spoke to her when she when I came that day so it was I mean I think it was I thought it was fine but if you if you have the resources to get a hotel just know that they're like 300 to 400 euros a night well and if you have the resources to go to Paris going to actually we are my, extra listen my I am extra I am extra but listen my actual flight wasn't that expensive. That's good. It was like six hundred bucks round trip. I'm sure now it's even cheaper. Yeah, now if, it's it's even cheaper. It's like four hundred bucks round trip. But too bad we can't go. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if we can go yet. Yeah, it's still like. But no, I was able to get cheap flights, American Airlines, um, nice seating actually too. Like I had leg room, everything. So I was lucky in that resort, and I went by myself. Like when I'm the last. Prior to that, I had gone to Paris with family. This time I went by myself and like kind of maneuvered the city on my own. See, no. When I first went to Paris, I went by myself. It was a nightmare. <laughs> I oh, It was like culture shock, right? When you got there. Yeah. And ever since then. I, I, so I will say, got to Paris. Amazing. Was able to get to my Airbnb through like the metro and everything like that. A lot of the French people were kind of nice to me. Maybe because I spoke French to them a little bit. Because I know, like, the ins and outs of, like... Maybe you didn't look American. That is true. Because I remember when I went, I would try to speak French, and they'd just speak English to me. It's like, well, all mm-hmm. right. I'm not that bad. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. But I think what I, what started with me was, like, I would, I would first start off asking, like, do you speak English and French? And then they would say, yeah. And then we would have a conversation and they would direct me to where I needed to go or they would help me. Yeah. Yeah. I, 
if I knew how to speak, like maybe ordering food, I would just do it in French. But mm. I know like shopping, I'd be like, okay, do, do you speak English? Because <laughs> I have no idea how to ask for a different size. Right. But I know when he was going through all of this, mm. I was still not doing my stuff. <laughs> and I was thinking, oh my God, like I need, John is doing this. I mm. can do this too. Like mm. why aren't I doing anything? Mm. And I learned so much from you because before mm. I thought I had to sew everything myself. Right. And it was just... I would want to stop. I'd want to quit. Right. But like learning from him, I learned I can go to a company and get this made. Mm -hmm. And a year later, we finally got there. Yeah, we finally <laughs> did. We finally did. I mean, I showed her, I introduced her to the company she works with now and they're doing, they're doing their job. So. Slowly. Um, <laughs> Slowly. <laughs> but I know coronavirus. Yeah, yeah. But I think, you know, we're. Where was I? Oh, yeah. We're learning. Yeah, we're learning. Um, yeah, we're definitely learning. I think through that entire process, I was learning a lot about how to do business, especially how to do business overseas. So when I went to Paris, I didn't realize that a lot of these companies, well, I, I kind of had an inkling, but I didn't realize that a lot of these companies um, are, I mean, I mean, maybe I don't want to, I don't want to sound dumb, but I didn't think that it would be international. I thought it would just be, I know, I know. <laughs> Don't do that. <laughs> I know. I know. It was, I didn't think, I don't know why it didn't, I didn't put two and two together, but I didn't think there would be an international. So when I saw a lot of like Italian manufacturer, like textile manufacturing, Romanian, in like, you know, Chinese, like I was just like, oh, this is truly global. Like it was just like a global experience for me. So I met the first day of the trade show. So I let, I went to Paris the 13th of September, 2018, actually. 2018. Um, I don't even remember these days. Yeah. Actually, 2018 is when I quit, not 2017. Sorry about that. So, quit Newman's Because anyway. they were going to, you know, do a background check on that. I'm like, oh, excuse I just me. To, I just wanted to, I'm setting the stage. I'm setting the stage of the story. So, I, um, so February, uh, sorry, September 2018, that's when I went to Paris um, so I went on the 13th of September and then the show or the trade show started the 19th and I was in Paris for like close to a month. I came back October, like in the middle of October. So I went to the trade show the first day. I was so intimidated. Like I remember I went to this one fabric, um, supplier that I've been following that they do business with Chanel and everything. I met with the American agent. Yeah. And she was like, oh, she was like, oh, come back. I have a meeting with Tom Ford. And I was like. <laughs> you sure I can't be there? <laughs> <laughs> well, it wasn't with like Tom Ford directly. Oh, it was like Tom Ford, one of their, their, their um, representatives. Sucks, because I would have been like. Right. <laughs> but it was so intimidating because I was just like, there's so many people. Everyone was doing business. I remember seeing this like European woman bring out stacks of cash just to pay for the fabric. I was just like, are we paying for this right now? <laughs> It was just like, it was literally like maybe a couple thousand, like $10,000, maybe even more. So you did your research before going? I did my research before going of who I wanted to like meet up with. And I knew where, where they were located because the, the auditorium that they were in was pretty big. It was like huge. Oh yeah, I've been to one. Oh, you've been to mm -hmm. the, yeah. It was really big. It was huge. So you will get lost easily. Oh yeah. So <laughs> luckily I was, so I did my research and I knew exactly where they were. So I just kind of walked directly there and I knew who I wanted to work with. I made sure that I got in contact with a lot of... I made sure that I check marked who I wanted to meet with first and who I wanted to meet with last. And then if on the last day, I kind of just met with whoever was still around. 
So I went to the first one, um, and this one was like highly reputable. They had like really, really beautiful fabric, very couture-esque fabric. And I wanted my collection to be very, not couture, but like still like high-end. So I went to them and then like, you had to set up an appointment. I didn't know that, but they were fine with it because since this company is um, from Switzerland, it's a Switzerland company, they connected me with their U.S. agent who had no appointment at the time. Then she said, okay, we're going to go about... Then she kind of actually helped me with the process because I told her, listen, I'm by myself. I'm a new designer. I'm trying to work on this. She's like, okay, I got you. Because she was from... Her office was based in New York. And she's like, okay, I got you. Just come back in like maybe 20 minutes. I have a meeting with Tom Ford and we'll talk about it. But see, it's good that they were like that because I know a lot of people say, oh, don't tell someone that you're new and you don't know what you're doing Mm because then they'll take advantage. Yeah, that's what I... I, And when I said it at first, I was like, dang, why did I say this? (laughs) But then she was like, no, I got you. Like, so we... So after her meeting with Tom Ford, one of the representatives, we sat down for like literally an hour and she kind of went through the process. She said, you can either order... The stock yes. fabric that they had, and they have minimal, you know, limited quantities in that. Or you can order like, or make your own fabric and things like that. Obviously, you're not going to spend the amount that they, because they work with Chanel. Obviously, you're not going to spend the amount that Chanel has. But just know yeah. that if there's a fabric that you want and Chanel buys it all, we can't give it to you because Chanel has it. And I was just oh, like, I was like, okay, great. She gave me so much information. She was such a nice woman. I can't remember her name. I know it starts with like an, an ass or something like that. But she was so nice, and like she kind of just walked me through the process. And after that, I was kind of like, okay, I feel a little bit confident. And I was able to, like, I gave her my information. She said she'll send me the samples that I picked. So how it works is if you go to an agent, if you request samples, like sample swatches of the fabric, they'll send it to you um, after the show. So, like, a week later, they started sending me stuff. Oh, nice. Yeah, she sent me a whole bunch of stuff from her office. And, like, she still sends me some stuff today. I just can't remember her name. Now, how are the prices? That's what I'm always curious about. Is it actually, like... Good prices, or is it like mood fabrics marked up prices, or? Well, these these prices are a lot more expensive oh, okay. than mood. See? So depending on what you get, so there's this one fabric that's like a tweed with like metallic embroideries in it, and like it just it was like a perfect Chanel, like tweed, te- textile basically. So that can run between four four hundred dollars to maybe two thousand a yard. A yard. See, and now. This is why something is like sixty thousand yeah. dollars because mm-hmm. um, even with like something that's thirty dollars a yard, you can still even look at like what like two thousand dollars for the garment, right? Because of the details that you put in. The, yeah, and it's the manufacturers they they even like go based on like what you want. So they can, so this one particularly they can do like a custom like textile, and like if you want little embellishments here and there, they will do that for you. And see, that's obviously... See, this is... I shouldn't just never go because <laughs> otherwise I'm just going to start selling things to people that are 100 grand. But yeah, honestly, like it was just a good experience just being there. And then I was, I, you know, maybe like six months later, I ordered sample fabric and it's, and you know, gave it to my sample, my, my sewer. And they started working on the samples, like the whole, well, not samples, but like because I couldn't do a full production, yeah. they did just one piece of each size of my style. So if I had, so I, one so one style, say it's like a dress, they made one size small, one size medium, one size large, and that was basically my entire collection or my entire like production. Which you can order now on his website. Yes, you can order now on my website in Kasiobi.com. That's N-K-A-S-I-O-B-I dot com. 
shameless plug. <laughs> it's also on his Instagram. It's also on my Instagram. Um, my Instagram's at the is in the bottom of the description, so you can find it there. Um, but yeah, it was honestly. I feel like I probably wouldn't be where I'm at if I didn't go through. If I didn't. If I had like overthought my process, I probably wouldn't be where I'm at right now in terms yeah. of like my design and everything like that. But. Um, we're not saying wait for something bad to happen mm-hmm. before you go and like achieve mm-hmm. your dreams. Just right. go. <laughs> <laughs> but I will say, I will say, um, even when I did leave my, I, I think what kind of p- bought the thought in me was like my manager and you know, you know who my manager is mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, at the time. And she, cause I remember when I was, when she was doing my last like review and she was like, you know, we had like a really good heart to heart. Like we, you know, she's a tough, she was really tough, like tough on all her workers, all her people that she was working, that was working under her. She was very, very tough. But I think with me, we had like an understanding. And so she kind of gave me really, really good insight on like, you know, if you want to do this, go ahead and do this. Don't wait until something else happens to do it. She kind of like encouraged me to really go after it and like go after things that you really want instead of trying to go after things for money. Um, meaning like I wanted to at that time before even before I left I wanted to become one of the visuals because I knew one of them were leaving the one in Beverly Hills Mm -hmm. and she said you don't want to be a visual merchandiser I don't see you as that and I was like really because I really wanted to be that (laughs) it's just like you don't want to be that you're setting yourself for something that low you're like you're settling yeah exactly and you're like okay yeah I can do that right and I was like at at that time you know they make better well they made better money than me so i was like well let me try to progress into something where i can make more money and then maybe progress into something more but she was like no that's you don't want to do that you want to do something well, good better. you want to do something and so after that and then when i was leaving we had the heart to heart and it was just i don't know i respect her a lot more for doing for saying all those things you know than before so so yeah here i am you know how many years later? Are? Like her, you know, Don't a year that. or two later. Couple months later. <laughs> We've been doing this for a short amount of time. <laughs> but I do, I do remember. Like I remember. Like um, it's crazy because seeing everything go how it is. I remember I had Ariel actually try one of my samples one day. I was like, Ariel, I need you to try this, and she was like, Okay, come. And I come late at night to her apartment, and she's like trying it because she's she's technically a sample size. She's your size too, right? Zero. Excuse me. So, sorry. Sorry. <laughs> two extra. Rude. Two extra inches. Sorry. <laughs> but like, no. She. So I had her try it on, and like, I think that process. It was so exciting because like, obviously, I didn't have a model. Um, I didn't know where to get a model. I knew a girl who wanted to be a model, but like. Sh- I felt like she wasn't like tall enough, and she and Ariel was pretty, not tall. You look like five four, but you, you, it looked good. In the book I, I loved it. Yeah, yeah. I had his pockets. Mm-hmm. It was like relaxed. Mm-hmm. It's kind of nice to try it, and then mm-hmm. that's what I'm going to be doing with my collection too. Because yeah. they're like, oh, you bring your own model. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we're going to make it fit me, and I'm just right. going to wear it. Yeah, I'm just going to do it like that. Because then at least I know, and I know what you're looking for too. Mm-hmm. So it's a good thing that I tried it on. Because I'd be like, what the hell is going right. on in the crotch? <laughs> what is this? But no. <laughs> But no, she looked amazing there, and it was just super like exciting. And then like, I actually got the they actually finished it. So I, in that process of them actually creating the production size, I'm doing air quotes, um, because it's not a full production. It's like a small studio production. production. It's a production, but it's not like a. It's not like a you know with yours it's like fifty pieces. Oh well, let's hope people. <laughs> <laughs> so like so like um. 
I forgot where I was going with that. But like once they, the process, actually the process of them completing the entire production, I felt like took forever. I know it was like, it's supposed to be like two to uh, two to three months. I was like, what? But they're doing like a small size one. Why are they not like... Really? I'm now realizing why designers do everything like six months in advance because mm-hmm. it takes time. It does. And I am not a patient person. Yeah. I am sitting around waiting for this collection to come to life mm-hmm. or to fruition, mm-hmm. to use a big word. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and it's so hard to yeah. sit still. It is. It is. I just want to show you guys everything. Yeah. It's like, it sucks saying like, oh, I'm doing this. And right. then John has stuff to show you. And I'm like... I'm not the whole time. I promise. Things are coming. <laughs> right. No, things are coming. And you guys will be so excited to see her collection. Honestly. Like, I hope so. Be- like, she's shown me, like, her sketches. She showed me her inspiration. She showed me, like, her, like, the fabric. Some of the fabric that she's not going to use, but, like, still, like, looks beautiful. Like, I'm excited to see it come. Yeah. It's going to come. Just, you know. <laughs> Listen, I'm in the process that you were in. You're in right now. I'm in it. Or I was in it. Yeah. It. I hate the waiting part. Like, I'm very, very impatient. I wanted, like, I, you know, she told me, at least the Edith, the studio owner, she told me that it will be done in, like, a, a month or two. I was like, cool. That's fine. Literally took, like, maybe... So, around that, so that time when we actually did the production, it was, like, I want to say it was, like, February. February, that's when I got all the sample fabric and all the f- sizes that I needed. Um, and all the, the quantities that I needed, actually. So we, she started it in February. She didn't finish until like maybe July of that year, 2019. And I was like, why so long? I was like, that's so long. I felt like, but then again, I couldn't, I couldn't blame her because she does work another job. I mean, there's always like, you, know, you can always make excuses. Oh, you can't blame her, but like. <laughs> Especially if I'm paying you and wasn't it was cheap. cheap okay so to start a collection it's not cheap it's not cheap it wasn't the thing is that that her pricing wasn't cheap it was cheap compared to like the standard but it wasn't like cheap to you yeah yeah if you're just starting out it's expensive it's, it's expensive. time consuming yeah. it's a lot of work and yeah. there's a lot of downtime i think i spent like maybe twenty thousand dollars for that entire collection jesus yeah that's pretty much what i'm spending yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's not cheap yeah, not yeah, but luckily, like just like Angela Luna, I was able to get like, you know, some funding from my school. Um, wow. Yeah, so I had a I got a grant from my school for like, if you wanted to start a business, they you know you just give them your business plan, and then I gave them my business plan, and they like they gave me like I think five thousand dollars. I had, I had um, ten thousand dollars saved up. Um, actually, I have more than that, but I used half of what I had, and then my dad and my Parent, um, my dad and my aunt gave me some money too, so so I was able to kind of fund it in that, get started on that, and even now, based on like I still have saved a lot of like the sales that I've made from some of the some of the items that I have, and um, I'm able to kind of use that money to reinvest back into my business. So, so that's good because yeah. I I remember reading an article like fashion is for the rich mm-hmm. to, to get started and hopefully that'll change because it's it's not fair yeah it's it's a lot of money to do this a Super lot or you just have to make it on your own and just kind of build it from there but if you're like me and very impatient and mm-hmm. <laughs> get frustrated really easily yeah but i would say the best way to kind of do it is um 
It's like what you're doing right now. You're doing the sample making part and then you're trying to like sell it to your customers and then based on how much sales you get, you'll do the full production. production. Yeah. So it'd yeah. be like a pre-order. Yeah. So at that time, I didn't know that you could do it that way. I just wanted the entire, I thought you had to do the entire production right away. That's why I kind of negotiated with this production company to do like the studio small, like the studio size production run where it's just like one size of each garment. One size of each, yeah, one size of each garment or something like that. I don't know if I'm saying it right, but you know what I mean. So, so yeah, I didn't know that you can do like pre-orders and all that stuff. If I had known that, I would have done that at the beginning. Because it just, saves you so much money. Plus, mm -hmm. then it funds you for your production, mm -hmm. which I need. Mm -hmm. But, it, but I think, um, but even now, like I feel like it's hard, even with like the digital part, because I'm going through that process now with like selling clothes online and like we're getting customers based with no actual. With no actual like um, client base, you know, so it's a hard process. It's a hard process, and I think, I think the, I think as you go along, you'll learn more and you'll be able to understand how to build this business and how and what really goes into. And we'll it. go along the way mm -hmm. as we, you know, figure it out. Figure it out. We'll we'll give you more updates on what. I process wise and, and behind the scenes looks once we get like mm -hmm. further down into it we'll show you what we're doing right exactly so you can see the whole thing from start to finish right instead of waiting until we die and there's a documentary <laughs> waiting until we die. <laughs> but yeah thank you guys for listening this is kind of like a little intro of like how we kind of got started and like who we are as you know as designer, as a fashion merchandiser, yeah. things like that. And, you know, what inspired us to get into this and just kind of like our process. Like we said, just do it. Don't wait for any Don't event overthink. to happen. I mean, I know an event for me that happened that pushed me to do it, but like, just go ahead and do it. Just go ahead and just go about it however way you want it and it doesn't have to be extravagant you don't have to go to paris you can literally go to new york for the same show i could have gone to new york for the same show but i didn't go and to if you're in la you can stay here in la too and do yeah there's la you, textile you really week you don't have to do uh, fashion school you don't yeah. need to do any of that just honestly just make your own collection yeah i mean with social media you can pretty much do anything it's, to be honest you can finesse it any type of way and oh, still yeah. get a good amount of followers trust so. me i know some people that have finessed it and they're doing really well. I'm like, in a short amount of time, too. I'm just like, what? Excuse okay. me. <laughs> <laughs> but thank you guys so much. Yeah. I am John. I am still Ariel. Yep. And, um, <laughs> you know, if you have any questions, we're actually going to put our email um, or I'll just say the just email. direct message us on Instagram. Or direct message us on that. Instagram because you should have that. You should be we'll following answer us. answer any questions. Answer any questions if you have any, if you need help with, like, navigating this side of the business we're definitely here to help and then we'll get definitely give you some resources on like who we went to what type of comp what type of production company Ariel works with the different manufacturers that i have that i've worked with in terms of like textiles and things like that and if you're starting a retail business like me where it's like you have different designers as well as your own private label you know i can give you connection i can give you showroom connections things like that that you can reach out to so yeah just email us or dm us um we'll put the email in the description and yeah Thank you for listening. Please like, share, subscribe. Subscribe um, if you're on YouTube. 
Um, we have videos on YouTube now. It's labeled. Thanks for watching us. <laughs> it's the labeled podcast. Um, but subscribe if you're listening to us through Apple, Spotify, all those other platforms. And yeah, that's a wrap. Thank you, you so much. Week. See you next Bye. week. Bye.